Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You play 162 games. And it comes down to this. The postseason, Major League Baseball, nothing like it. And, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to host the wild card series against the Texas Rangers. First pitch at 3.08 today. And we have Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times to talk to and break it down, not just the playoffs, but also the season, how they got here, who's going to be available, and so on. So this is is why you play for six months, man, to see if you can – push through and get to the World Series and waiting for them if they're able to advance are the Baltimore Orioles. So that'll be something to uh, really look forward to. Let's talk to Mark Tompkin here in just a minute. But first, I want to remind you guys that it is still, in fact, hurricane season in Florida, but there's still some time to keep the power on without breaking the bank, and that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. With solar battery backup power, there's no fuel cost. There's no loud generator noise. No annual maintenance cost plus May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. And solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month. And if you lose power, a generator could cost over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit. Or you can add a battery to your existing in-phase solar system. Trust the pros in solar to learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or just to get started. Call 727 727- 819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Nothing is quite as exciting as October. It means playoff baseball in the Tampa Bay Rays are going to host the Texas Rangers in the American League wildcard series. Those games are at 3.08 p.m. First pitch, I believe, and Mark Tompkin joins us now to talk about the Rays. Mark, before we get into the, to the series and the postseason and all of that, I just want you to take me back and you know when you, I'm always amazed at when you know you you're the like the Cal Ripken of beat writers. I mean, when you do these 162 game seasons and you get to end of this, and you kind of look back, or it's not over yet because the playoffs are just beginning, and that's what this is all about. But if I'd have told you the Rays were going to have the kind of start they had, hell, win the number of games they did, lose the number of players they have and still not win the American League East? Like, I don't know where to where to put this season sort of in my mind. It's I think it's the second most wins maybe they've had. But, like, just, just give me a, a kind of a your perspective after having watched this crazy up-and-down season, but mostly ups. Yeah, you probably want the clean word version, right? But it was pretty messed up. <laughs> we'll take messed, yes. We'll take that one. Go with messed up and a lot of crap. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, look, you 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 kind of alluded to this, but yeah, start thirteen and zero, start twenty nine and seven, have Jeez. four all stars, two guys elected to the all star team, still you know struggling a little bit mid season, cooling off some, but still cruising along. I have a six and a half game division lead at some point in late June, I think it was, uh, and then end up five and fifteen in July, get passed by the Orioles. Uh, and then never really see first place again. Two two days where they shared it, and that was it. The rest of the way, lose their top 
pitcher in Shane McClanahan, lose their mm-hmm. second best reliever in Jason Adam, lose two other guys from the rotation that were really, really good or looked to be really, really good in Springs and Rasmussen, uh, lose Brandon Lau, who would come around and was having a pretty good season and, and maybe primed for a, a big postseason, which in the past has kind of eluded him. Lose him on a freak thing with a foul on a ball off his kneecap and breaks it. Lose Luke Rayleigh on a freak thing. He runs into the Spanish language interpreter while they were shagging balls in the outfielder and batting practice. Uh, <laughs> lose Jose Siri, who gets hit by a pitch all within like a week of each other, all in late September there. So just this constant, you know, lit- litany of injuries. Uh, and then, you know, take away your best position player in Wander Franco with his legal slash disciplinary issues. So, to lose all of that, and then we could go on and list them all, there were 20 different players on the injured list this year and five guys who had two stints. So 20 guys, 25 injured list stints over the course of the season. To do all that and still win 99 games, the fourth most in baseball, uh, is pretty remarkable. But it wasn't enough, as you alluded to, because the Orioles ran away uh, after they took it over from the Rays in July. The Rays went into Baltimore in mid-September. They won the first two. They were tied for first, uh, and they lose the third game on Saturday, and then they have a chance to get back even in that incredible, wonderful playoff style, huge crowd, every pitch mattered, 11-inning game on Sunday of that series, but they lose it, and that was it. They they weren't able to gain the ground back, weren't able to get back to first place uh, and end up as a wild card team, which is why they're playing tomorrow at 3.08 p.m. or playing Tuesday at 3.08 p.m., uh, while the Orioles are sitting home working out for the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible that that Sunday game. I think that uh, a lot of people will probably not be able to get over if you're if you're a Rays fan and just how that kind of went down and maybe maybe they take that and they, and, and they take over first place and keep it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it truly was and has been sort of this remarkable season. And what's funny about it is, is that – Mark, they had one kind of historically bad month. I mean, everything else, and and I guess you have to give them credit for coming out of that tailspin because they they could have stayed, you know, kind of bumping along at, at a sub five hundred pace, and they were really below five hundred for July, but they did find their way out of it. They did, and you know, the offense, you know, as Kevin Cash, the manager, says, you know, they weren't going to, as fun as it seemed, they weren't going to hit at the pace that they were doing in the first month or two where they were setting all kinds of records from, you know, most wins by six or more runs and most home runs in a series and all kinds of things they were posting. Uh, but they were able to bounce back. And, in fact, it's and it's my own fault, I guess, for not making a bigger deal about this yesterday where there was a lot of other stuff going on or over the weekend. But, they set team records despite all the guys they lost from that lineup, despite as miserable as July was when it looked like they couldn't score a run on some nights. They still set team records for most runs in a season and most home runs in a season. So some of that came from obviously what they piled up early on, but some of that came exactly as you said, Rick, from them bouncing back in August and September and, and getting back on track offensively. And and really, you know, obviously without Franco, who hasn't played since mid-August, and without much from a Rosarena, he still hasn't really come back to form, you know, since the home run derby. I mean, he's had a few spurts here and there, but he still hasn't been the player in the second half he was in the first half. Right. And, and you know, you mentioned Wander Franco, and there will always be sort of like this, no matter what happens, what, what, what if. Like, there's injuries, and you can accept that. And then there's whatever the hell's going on with Wander and slowly they've sort of removed, I guess, you know, 
images of him and his presence or what was left of it. And I guess it finally went all the way into the clubhouse, right? Yeah, it was interesting. They they had kept his locker intact and, and never really asked anybody. So I'm not sure they would have would have shared, been willing to share, but it seemed to me like that was a you know sanctity of the locker room kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like what happens out there is out there, but mm-hmm. what happens in the locker room is the players, and he's still you know considered part of the team, et cetera, et cetera, even though he's not there and he's on administrative leave and. You know, no one can. No one knows what really happened. No one, you know, sh- there shouldn't be judgments yet. But certainly, serious enough that Major League Baseball, you know, put him on the administrative leave list. And there's a long investigation going on, both by MLB and in the Dominican Republic, by the authorities there. So, you know, enough to be investigated. But yeah, and this, and you know, I was given a heads up. You know, so basically said, hey, when you walk in, you're going to see this, just so you know, on Monday and. Mm-hmm. You know, was told by people I trust that this was not anything to do with like they know something's coming. They know he's about to get, you know, suspended or, or this or that. This was a purely logistical issue, which is there's only X amount of lockers in that room. And when you've got 11 people on the injured list, all of whom still have their lockers and you called up a handful of guys from Durham, like Frankie Mejia, who got Wander's locker, you know, to be a third catcher, even if he's not active, but to travel with you. Uh, they're going to have a couple, like kind of one in each position. We'll travel with them, work out with them. So they need locker space too. There's going to be a separate group working out in Sarasota, but there's going to be a handful of players with the race. So they just ran out of space and they apparently just said, hey, we need that locker. And whoever they have to go to get approval for that said, all right, do it. Do what you got to do. So it looked you know, like more than it was, but yeah. it still to me was symbolic nonetheless. Yeah, just kind of been a, a slow a slow eroding of, of his presence and then we'll, you know, who's to say how long or, or, or what the outcome of, of all this will be, but that's not important. What's important is the race, of course, hosting the Texan Ra- Texas Rangers, um, for that, uh, for that series at Tropicana field. And I, I would think that, look, you, you touched on the injuries just a minute ago. When you have, when you get into the postseason, you maybe have the advantage of being able to, to, to really kind of set up three of your best starters. Mark, I still think they have three legit dudes that can go out there and deal and keep the Rays in any series. Well, they certainly have two, and that's what they're, you know, the way they set it up to go with Tyler Glass down in game one and Zach Eflin in game two. Uh, I think there were a couple reasons for that because they flipped them. They pitched in the other order last week in Boston. But I, I think part of it was if you get good glass now, that's a pretty good way to start a series if he gets out there and shoves for seven or eight innings yeah, uh, and really sets the team back and strikes out a bunch of guys. Uh, and, you know, Eflin, just where he is in his workload for a career, you know, he hasn't been a guy who's pitched a ton of innings in his career in any single season because of injuries and things like that. So and nor has glass now, but because Eflin's workload, he's been healthy just about all year. I think they thought, you know, even that extra day and pitch him, his numbers on extra rest are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, and this is just me and my supposition here, but I, I think a fairly well-founded supposition is there's probably more of a trust factor in Eflin that he's been consistent. So if you get a good glass down, you're up one nothing, then you got Eflin to lock it down and end it on game two in theory. Yeah. But if you get a bad glass now start and you're down 0-1, there's probably a lot of confidence in Zach Eflin keeping you in that game two and hoping sure. that your offense can get a couple of runs. So I think it probably works uh, both ways to a degree. But, 
those two are pretty good. I don't know exactly what they're going to do if it gets to a game three. I and mean, Aaron Savali would certainly seem like the guy. He's set up in you know rest wise to be the guy, but he just hasn't been that impressive the last few times out. And right. you know, when they got him, you know there was some talk that his numbers were better than he had pitched with Cle- uh, with Cleveland before they got him. He's had some good outing for the Rays, but I, I don't think you watch him and you come away with the same like level of you know impression that you do if you watch Glass now or Eflin, right? No, you don't. And if not Savali, and maybe maybe uh, they would do something else. What what could they do in place of him, or in addition to him, if that meant either uh, sort of an opener or or maybe somebody coming in? You know, because I got to believe that in these games, depending on where the series stands, you're not going to go very long with guys if they get in trouble. Right, you're not. Although I I do think that they're um, I think they're going to have you know they're going to go a little heavier position player wise on their mm-hmm. roster most likely. So they're not going to have a total ton of pitchers. And I remember thinking last year, oh, you're not going to use all the pitchers you have. And suddenly in game two, there's Corey Kluber having to go out there and pitch in relief for yeah, the first time and gives right. up the game ending, season ending home <laughs> run. So maybe you, you can not have enough pitchers. But uh, I, I think my guess would be Savali would start, but they have every reliever ready to go and be really quick to go to a bullpen day. I don't think you put him behind a, a, an opener because he hasn't done that. If you're going to use him, you're going to have to use him as a starter. Latell pitched out of the bullpen over the weekend. Obviously, something he's done many times in his career, but you know, has been used as a starter for the last few months. So that, and so was Bradley. So to me, those are signs that those guys will be in the bullpen if they're on the roster, and uh, Savali will be considered the game three starter. But they could just go straight bullpen day two. I mean, depending on. And probably what it will depend on is how much those relievers are used. They haven't been using anybody three days in a row. They're really careful not to do that. Uh, and and not that they wouldn't because you do kind of take off some of the rules for the postseason. But you know, if they've got a bunch of fresh relievers, if they don't have to use them very much in games one and two, you could just see a straight bullpen game on game three also. As far as late innings go, if they're able to get, you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth, like, it, you know, I know Jason Adams it, it has been out, but have have they got – sort of nailed down like the the order the late inning order that they would prefer in those games yeah i think they're you know it's gonna it depends a little bit because poche's in that mix so you've got a little bit lefty matchup lefty angle there whether you want to go with him but some combination you know poche and stevenson seven Mm -hmm. and eight eight and seven however that works you get to fairbanks but he's used fairbanks a couple times in the eighth i think three times now too so that's not out of the question uh, Kittredge has been pitching better. His role, uh, I think, has increased a little bit. So you could see a little from him. They like Sean Armstrong a lot. So in a, in a perfect world, Rick, if you if they had a game where they had a a reasonable lead and wanted to go, it would probably be Armstrong in the sixth, uh, Poche, and Stevenson or Stevenson and Poche a seven and eight, then Fairbanks nine. So if they can get to the sixth inning with a lead, I think they feel pretty good about those four guys. In some combination, Kittredge is another option to mix in there. Deekman's another option from the left side. But those four are kind of the quote-unquote big four right now. And, I mean, admittedly, pitching and defense has always been what the Rays have been about, and they have pitched well and played good defense most of the time in the postseason. But even though you look at this team and you go, look, they set records for home runs, for runs, uh, there's still this sort of, I don't know, consternation if, if you're a Rays fan, like, are they going to score runs? And how are they going to score runs? And yet, 
Man, you go up and down the lineup, and I know, again, they're missing a ton of pieces, and, and we can talk about the injuries, even the latest ones. But when you start with Yandy Diaz, just, I mean, he won a batting title, Mark, and I don't know what batting titles are worth anymore. I mean, because there's such emphasis on run production and home runs, and, and he did all of that too. Um, but there's not been a more valuable player. He was their most valuable player. It just seems like this offense has more life to it than they've had in the past, even though they may not have, you know, household names up and down through the lineup. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variety or, or versatility. I mean, think of the year, think of these two guys who both of these guys, Rick, are in their first full season in the big leagues. Okay. Isak Paredes, 31 homers, 98 RBIs. Incredible. Josh Lowe, 20 homers, 30 doubles, 30, uh, 30 steals, 30 doubles, 20 homers, or, you know, more so, and like a 450 batting average if runners in scoring position, two outs, like second best in the league. So those wow. two guys, sec, first year big leaguers, first year full, first full year big leaguers, and then yeah, you go with what Yanni Diaz has done. You go with what a Rosa Reina has done, even with a small, you know, a lesser second half, another 2020 season from him. Brandon Lau until he got hurt, 21 homers. Uh, and counting Harold Ramirez, like record setting pinch hitting numbers and a, and a fairly solid year overall. So there still are a bunch of potent pieces in there. Jose Siri and Luke Reilly, like we mentioned, one or both could be back for this series. So uh, there are some very damaging type pieces in there. On the other hand, there's going to be some days where you're going to look up in, in a postseason game and see Curtis Mead and Jonathan Aranda. And uh-huh. maybe a Slavis Basabe or 20-year-old Junior Caminero out there. And all of those guys have the ability and have shown the ability to be really good players, but probably not what you would expect for a postseason lineup either. So it's going to be a mix. You know, the catching hasn't been very productive. Uh, Pinto's hit a few homers, but he and Bethancourt really haven't done much offensively. Taylor uh-huh. Walls, some people with the Rays call him the best infielder on the planet, but not doing a lot with the bat. Uh, you wonder if Caminero ends up making the roster – uh, do they pinch hit for walls, you know, sixth, seventh inning if they're behind and they have a guy on base or two and just run their, you know, take their chances with Caminero on defense uh, and put them out there. But I, I think they're going to, they have weapons, they can score. Texas is an incredible team. It's a match of two of the best offenses uh, in the American League. But I, I think Texas's lineup is fairly much deeper. So the Rays are going to have to get production out of that top half, guys. A junior Caminero uh, named the minor league baseball breakout player of the year. I don't remember a guy that has started in single A and and been in the big leagues, much less than the playoff roster. Yeah, I mean, he's the first, as far as we could track back, uh, couldn't figure out another position player who'd ever made the jump from double A, which is where he was for most of the year, uh, right. to the big leagues. They've had four or five pitchers. But, yeah, then you add in the fact that he started the year in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, playing class A ball, wow. and you're even more impressive what this kid has done. And he took a round of batting practice the other day in Toronto, Rick. Um, I mean, it reminded me like of a young Rick Stroud. It was unbelievable. He was hitting <laughs> that bad, two huh? balls off the <laughs> facing of the fifth deck. Yeah, uh, no, that two be... that just just under it. One that basically like <laughs> was a missile to the front of the third deck. Gosh. And people, the people in the like that are on the field, like the VIPs that are watching batting practice, and some of the people right. in the stands started cheering. They started applauding him for his for round batting of batting practice. practice. <laughs> it was that impressive. And talked to him about it after the game, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, so I like to put on a show. I like to show the older guys." I'm like, 
you're 20 years old, dude. What oh the heck? Gosh. It was pretty amazing. So, hey, uh, uh, kid with a bright, bright future ahead of him. And, uh, was this an accelerated expedited timetable? Absolutely. Is there going to be some growing pains if he ends up on the roster? You know, but he does not seem phased by the spotlight. He does not seem phased by the pressure. He handled himself well. He speaks well of, you know, where he's gotten to this point. And, and I think he's a guy that could really be somebody for the race for a long time. Yeah, it really looked really looked like he was comfortable in the major leagues. There's no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned, uh, I guess we'll get a better feel about where Surrey's at, where Rayleigh's at. Look, I, I look at Luke Rayleigh's story, and I, I still marvel at the fact that, like, this guy came out of nowhere, in a sense, for the Rays. Is he, it, was he not the, the surprise of the year in, in that, you know, just no real success at this point until this season in the majors. And then he's up there marking. He's like, he's Paul Bunyan or something. He's like this big dude that can run and hit with power and nothing seems to phase him. Like he's been fun to watch all year long. Got that lumberjack look, right? And then yeah, I wrote that feature exactly. about him. It, his family runs a tree farm. So it there makes sense, go. right? He, yeah. How do you think he got that strong? He, Put Christmas trees in the back of people's car pickups and station wagons for years. He said, "Yeah, what's so, a 30, 33 ounce bat after that, right?" Exactly, exactly. So, no, look, he he was a guy that I think I know. I personally, and I'm sure some of the other media did as well. Several times over the winter, would be like, "Why is this guy still on your forty man roster? Why are you letting other people go or trading yeah. other people and keeping this guy? He hasn't done anything with the he's with the Twins, with the Dodgers, with the Rays. He hasn't done anything anywhere. Why are you keeping him around?" Uh, and why aren't you signing a left-handed hitter? You know, we talk. You need a left-handed hitter, left-handed hitter. You know, there goes Michael Brantley stays with the uh, stays with the Astros. There goes Brandon Belt signs with the Blue Jays. You know, other people deals weren't made, and they basically didn't see a deal they felt was better than what Luke Rayleigh and or Josh Lowe could do, and they hit on both of those guys. Right? If Rayleigh didn't get hurt, he would be at, he would be in the twenty homer club by now as well. Oh, easily, yeah. No, I, I agree, and and they you know they got their they got their mileage out of Josh and and Brandon Lau before before he got hurt. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Texas Rangers because here's you mentioned what a great offensive club they are, and, and the Rays are going to have to pitch well because I don't know that you want to get in one of those shootouts with them. Um, but the Rangers looked like they were going to win the division, and now they're not, and they're on the road, and they're in a wild card. How much of that disappointment do you think that that might? have a hangover effect on them or is it just like hey it's a new season who gives a crap where we start well i I think that's one of the big questions in my mind because they they uh i want to say the wrong word here on your radio program they let a two they were two and a half games up going into play thursday and they lost the division to the astros they finished tied the astros had the tiebreaker so they lose three out of four uh, at seattle they lose the division and this is a team that had the division for a long time, had a rough stretch like in late August, early September, let it get away, looked like they right. blew it then, came back, took control again by mid-September, and then blew it for a second time this year. So yeah. You, yeah. you do that, then you compound it by they lose that game in Seattle Sunday, then they have to get over being ticked off and get on a plane and fly as far as you can fly, basically, unless you were going to Miami, mm-hmm. to Tampa. They got in like 2 in the morning. Uh, and then a handful of their guys were at the trop on Monday. They basically just had a pitcher throw, and they didn't do a full workout. And then turn around and be at the stadium early Tuesday for this three o'clock game. So there's not a lot of time to, to uh, you know, shake it off, to get over it, to sleep it off, whatever you want to talk about it. And 
just have to get back at her. Maybe that works to their advantage if they can. They don't have any more time to think about it, or maybe they just go out there and they're still, you know, wrapped up in their own heads over what they let get away. Otherwise, they would have had three days off and would be playing at home this weekend. I saw what you did there, you little Swifty. Shake it off. I, I I got that reference. I was wondering if you you were up on that. I figured she's, you probably were taking over the world. Young daughters, a couple yeah, of young so daughters. You got to be in there. That's all we talk about. Trust me, Travis Kelsey is now the thing. Which, by the way, she will write a song about him when they break up too. It's going to be called Travesty. Travis is, is what so. He's going to be so sorry about this when she writes that song, too. <laughs> Travesty, Travesty is the that's name. That's good. I'm you, you. You, should, you should put that out there on Twitter I'm now and get just, me credit. Yeah, I'm just saying because that's that's what's going to be. All right, so um, there is – I don't know how to say this, but like last year is so indelibly etched in my mind, right, the inability to score runs to a degree that even the Rays haven't seen before maybe – in that series. And I feel like this whole year has been about getting back to October and, and they look, they're a perennial playoff team now. I mean, the Rays have, have put plenty of banners in the rafters and could have won the American league East again. Um, and they've been, you know, in, in, in the playoffs every year, it seems for, for the last four or five years, but how much of that sort of drove this team to say, uh, uh-uh, we're getting back and that's never going to happen again. And, and I know you don't really carry it over, you know, it was, it was a year ago. Um, and you had a whole six-month season. But is there sort of this resolve, this quiet resolve that, like, no, we're not those guys anymore. We're, we're, we're going to break it out and we're, we're going to score runs. I think that was a, a storyline coming into the season. I remember talking to guys in spring training about that, which seems yeah. like 10 years ago right now, spring training. <laughs> but um, I, I – I don't think it's as much of a theme now, in part because so many of the faces have changed. I mean, they're because gone, they've yeah. lost some of these guys to injuries. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they played two games in Cleveland. One went nine innings, one went 15 innings, and they scored one run, right? So that's not, mm-hmm. not a very productive showing. No. Uh, and, and there was some struggle. I do think that where, where it has come up is this, and this is, and Cash mentioned this yesterday, and, um, they lost their last five games going into the playoffs last year. And part of that was they, you know, they, they kind of, in a way, brought a little bit of that on themselves because they rested a ton of guys. They used some minor league pitchers in a couple of those games. They clinched on a Saturday, and they played Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, and they lost Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So they lost five in a row, whatever it is. But yeah, uh, yeah. they lost their last five, and they went into the playoffs on a down note. And then Cash had mentioned – uh, about a week or so ago, they want to make sure they go in with some momentum. Now, they'd still rested some guys over this week here, but they won two in Boston. They won two out of three in Toronto. And that atmosphere in Toronto, was uh, that was something. There were 40,000-plus oh, yeah. each day. Those games mattered to the Jays, and that's a, a place that really gets excited about their ball club to begin with. So that was good for the young kids as well, but it added some juice to those games. And I think the combination of that and the Rays winning, the two of the three there, uh, they did go in. They did. There was a little more bounce in their step today at the workout, or Monday in the workout. And, and I do think that there was uh, a little bit more energy that they're going to take from coming off it. Now, if Jordan Montgomery goes out Tuesday and you know pitches really well and shuts them out, that's going to be the storyline, right? Here they go again. They got yeah. to the playoffs and they can't score. But I do think this lineup is equipped, even with the injuries, to do some damage. They beat up on left-handers pretty well. A lot of their hitters are, you know, their right-handed hitters have done really yeah. well against left-handed pitchers, so that's going to be their advantage. Uh, and if they can jump on him, I think the converse of that is it can really build some momentum to keep going too. 
And I mean, how much? Um, you know, the Rays played better at at home than they did on the road. They played well everywhere. But is the trop an advantage you think for them in in this uh, in this short series when you when you get into these you know three game series? I mean, against another American League team, I don't know because they play there every year too. I mean, the Rangers were here in June, so True. maybe they have some guys that aren't as familiar with it. I mean, I think if you know now with the new balance schedule, everyone's going to be here every other year, so even that that myth will go away a little bit too. But you know, it, it is a different place. It's the only fixed roof in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, the turf is it's there's similar turf that's used in other stadiums, but because theirs is on a, like a cement base, we've heard people say their turf is harder than some other stadiums. Obviously, the lighting day games that's going to be a little tricky. That's why I was surprised the Rangers didn't work out today. At least bring their outfielders over just yeah. to see what it looks like at three or four or five o'clock because in the afternoon it yeah. changes, it evolves. It's night game. It's kind of the same the whole night, but it's different during a day game. The shadows and the planes fly over, so. There's going to be some things they may regret not getting adjusted to today or at least taking a look at. But uh, it is a place where there's an advantage. I don't think there's going to be a huge crowd. I think that's kind of an unfortunate byproduct of the game time starts. Just a lot of social media and some emails from fans that were really ticked off that, you know, both the Tuesday and Wednesday games were locked in at three and the Thursday game could be as well, just depending on if there's other series still going. But if you got one day game, I thought maybe they would have got a night game. I mean, they are playing the Texas Rangers, and I think Dallas is a pretty big TV market. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? So you got the. Hey, hey, this was my theory. The Rays have the most wins of any team in the first round in either league, and Texas, Dallas, pretty big TV market. I would have thought they would have done better than three o'clock both days. Boy, me too. I'm I'm really surprised by that. I don't mind it. I I look. It's going to be early days for you, but then again, at least you're not on deadline in, in the terms of like eleven o'clock games and all that finishes and all that stuff. So whatever. Um. All right. So, uh, get you out on this one, Mark. And this is a horrible story. And I and and I don't, you know, such a big part of of this season. We remember, of course, Josh and Nate Lowe, brothers. Uh, Nate having played for the Rays before, now with the Texas Rangers, having played against each other. I sat there, um, and and almost got emotional thinking about you know my kids and you know any little thing they ever did in sports or dance or whatever. Could not fathom what it would be like having two sons playing against each other in the major leagues. It was a great story then. It's a great story now. But now it's very sad because uh, their mom, who was at, at those games and the split jerseys and everything, it turns out, uh, and Josh talked about this, that uh, she's battling uh, brain cancer. Yeah, it really was a kind of a tragic turn there. And, um, you know, he had left the team for a couple days right around the All-Star break. And, remember, and to go yeah. back, she'd had a procedure. And, and he shared then a little bit. But certainly, I think I don't think at that point they knew what the cause. They just knew she had a seizure, had to have a procedure to kind of, you know, go in. The doctors had to go in and see what was going on. I assume did some type of biopsy then. But uh, they obviously found yeah. out more. It's a, you know, it is a brain cancer uh, and he's known this for a while. And, and uh, we, another writer and I talked to him in Toronto on Sunday about the matchup and, and stuff. And he spoke about it with his brother and joked that, you know, Nate had already sent him a, a nasty text message. And then today, uh, a group of writers wanted, uh, Monday, a group of writers wanted to talk to him. And yeah. he said, uh, just over there waiting for like the TV people to get set up, uh, we said to him, like, oh, a big group coming tomorrow. And he goes, yeah, some extended family. And I said, mom and dad. And he goes, eh, you know what? Just wait till the interview starts and I'll explain it. Oh, so wow. sure enough, you know, he got asked about it. And he said he called his, he knew, he, he's a smart kid. Look, he is a very sharp kid. And 
he said he knew it was going to come up today. So he called his mom this morning yeah. and said, yeah, I'm going to get asked about this. You know, or should I not say anything? Or are you okay if I tell them? And this is pretty sweet, Rick. She said, it's okay for you to tell them because I'll have more people praying for me that way. So oh, that's awesome. Pretty, pretty yeah. touching there. And uh, he was willing to share. And I know Nate uh, talked to the Evan Grant, our friend who works for the Dallas paper. Uh, right. He shared some of those quotes as well. And, um, you know, look, it's it's a it's a sad twist, but he, here's the way. And again, Josh being pretty sharp, he he put a good spin on it too. Is he said, you know, look, if all the ways this could have happened, it wasn't supposed to be the Rangers and the Rays, right? There were eight possibilities going into play oh, Sunday, true. and five were Blue Jays. Only two had the Rangers, and he said for all that to line up, just so we could play against each other, so she could watch us, uh, and they're yeah. looking at that as a gift. Yeah, no, pretty cool. And it's always been a great story. And, and yeah, to see them go at each other, I'm sure there's mixed emotions about one has to win, one has to lose, which takes us back to the Kelsey brothers and, and Taylor Swift. So I got exactly where I wanted to go. Um, so, uh, okay, so the Rays and the Texas Rangers this first round, if they were to advance, Mark, somewhere out there looms the Baltimore Orioles. And you mentioned the series that they had that came oh so close in that Sunday afternoon game. How closely matched are these two teams if if they are to meet down the road? I, I think that would be a great series. The Rays would play the Orioles next. The winner of this series, they don't reseed, so the winner of this gotcha. okay. series, so that's that's who's the four and okay. five seed plays the one seed. So okay, uh, that's how it's set up, regardless of whether that's fair or record wise, or whatever. So if the Rays win, they would play at the Orioles. The first two games are Saturday and Sunday. It was another musical wow. connection because on Saturday night, the reason Baltimore is sold out and that'll probably have to be a day game is that Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are playing in Baltimore oh, on Saturday man. night. Yeah, so, great, great concert. Yeah, time for a little piano man there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I actually think that would be a great series and I think the Rays would win. I think the Rays came out of that weekend in Baltimore uh, and losing that Sunday game, and, and right, 162 game season, and that literally may have come down to that game. That may have been the game that that's literally you know determined their season for them. And I think there was a lot of frustration that they should have won that game. And uh, I think they feel like they can handle the Orioles if they get another crack at them. Yeah, they had success up there for sure. He's Mark Topkin, and once again, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the playoffs. Not a surprise in the postseason. They will host the Texas Rangers. That game beginning today in a wild card series at 3.08 p.m. first pitch. And you can follow him on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Mark. Enjoy the playoffs, man. All right, guys. Sounds good. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about game one of the Rays' wild card series. The Lightning are in Orlando to play the Florida Panthers in a preseason game as they get ever so close to the start of the regular season. One week away. Next week, yeah, exactly, one week away. And Mm -hmm. it'll be a different kind of start to the season without Andre Vasilevsky. 
Uh, we'll see what the Lightning are able to withstand without their number one goaltender. But I'm still ready for hockey, man. It seems such a long time because we're so used to the to the Lightning going deep into the playoffs and, and actually into the Stanley Cup that it seems like they haven't played for a very long time, and they haven't. So that'll be something to look forward to. And the Bucks are taking the week off. Uh, their players don't get back really, I think, until next Monday. We had a chance to chat with Todd Bowles, Dave Canales. We'll tell you about those conversations and about the plans going forward. Great game plan that Dave Canales uh, had and implemented, I thought, against the New Orleans Saints and likely to see more of that as the season goes along. They hope to get some injured players back healthy as well. So we'll discuss all of that and more on Sports Day Tampa Bay tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 